This is one of those sermons that's very difficult for me to preach because I'm preaching to you about one-third, not even one-half of a sermon. And really, it's one of those sermons that you've got to really put it all together to get the revelation of it. So please be with me next week, and it might even take us one more week. To save time today, I won't go through the full introduction. Just remember that we put on the full armor of God that we may stand against the schemes of the devil. Not a piece of the armor, the full armor. And we put on the first piece, which is the belt of truth, the belt of sincerity, the belt of reality, and the belt of integrity. I want to pick up from there today and talk about the breastplate of righteousness. Ephesians 6, verse 14. Therefore, stand, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, this breastplate of righteousness is, is we'll see more and more of it over the next few weeks, but just to remind you, this is a in the, old, in the early days, a molded piece of heavy leather, not, not a flexible piece of leather, but that which has been molded, and it's very thick, and usually it's made to look like big muscles, big chest, you know, a six-pack and everything. It's made to look very attractive, like a, a very, very strong guy. It is attached to the shoulders, and it is attached into the belt of truth to keep it secure. Now, in later days, these were made out of chain mail, and they were made out of metal. But in the early days, they were made out of, again, this heavy uh, molded leather. Now, what is the purpose of this breastplate of righteousness? And it's going to take us a few weeks to get through this. In order to understand it, let me take you back, first of all, to understand the enemy of our souls. Ephesians 6 verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now we've learned together from Colossians that Satan and all of his demon horde, one third of the angels that fell, had all their weapons taken away at the cross. But they are still left with their natural abilities. Their natural abilities are intact. Satan's wisdom is intact. Satan's music is intact. Satan's ability to manipulate and convince people is intact. He, he has really good saliva. He's a really good talker. And so he said, listen, you, you have to learn to take a stand against the schemes, the logical, orderly presentation of deception. And that's what schemes means. Of the devil. And devil here means slanderer or gossiper. Okay. Diablos means slanderer or gossiper. And remember with me, Revelation 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of our Christ has come. For the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. Now, I started to touch on this last week with you. But I want you just to get a hold of it. Because this will allow you to understand why it seems sometimes that life is not fair. Notice it says, The accuser of our brethren. It's not the accuser of the world. It's the accuser of our brethren, our brothers in Christ. See, there are, are two camps in this world. There's the kingdom of darkness. There's the kingdom of light. There's two families in this world. Jesus teaches us in John 8, there are those who are the children of God, and there are those who are the children of their father, the devil. Now, you have to understand, Satan's not going to do anything to hurt his own. He, he is not the accuser of the unsaved. He is not the accuser of his own children. He is the accuser of God's children, our brothers and sisters in Christ, the brethren. Now, sometimes as Christians, we, we don't understand. We think that life is not fair because we, we see people who are so horribly corrupt, and they are so horribly sinful. 
and they have done such horrible things. And we look at them and go, why do they get away with it? And then we see a Christian who works in the same company make a very small mistake and they just get nailed. And you go, that's not fair. These, these big shots, these big fish, they, they get away with everything. And look at, man, all the accusations and, and the publicity that comes on the little Christian who screwed up. Yep, that's the way it works. You say, but that's not fair, Pastor. That's life. Satan is not fair. He doesn't bring accusation against the world. He brings accusation against God's people. Now, see, this is, this is the work of the devil. First, he, he comes and brings a temptation to your mind. And, you know, that's all a temptation is, is a thought in your mind. And you have to learn to take every thought captive because that temptation is not a sin, but it can lead you to sin if you sit there and keep dwelling on it and dwelling on it and dwelling on it, as we'll get to later. Now, when, when Satan comes and brings you that temptation, and then he brings you into sin, then right after you sin, at the worst possible moment, he's going to bring accusation against you. He's going to make it public. He's going to let everybody know what a horrible thing you did, because that's who he is. He brings you into temptation, and then he brings the accusation and publicizes everything you've done wrong. That is the devil. Now, you have to understand this is who he is. Now, take it a step farther. When Diablo, the slanderer, begins to work, you have to understand his slander, his accusations. He is an equal opportunity slanderer. He is an equal opportunity accuser when it comes to anything that is of God. Satan will slander God to his face. I mean, Satan is so thick-faced he will look in the face of God and attempt to manipulate his words and deceive God. Now, let me illustrate it to you. We've read this in our devotion the last week or so. Job chapter 1, beginning with verse 10. Satan says, God, have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. He said, God, stretch out your hand, verse 11, and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to his face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only do not stretch out your hand. So that Satan went out from the pre only against him, do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now let me read you one more verse, then we'll talk about this. Job chapter 3, or Job 2, beginning with verse 3. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He holds fast to his integrity, and although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. And Satan said to the Lord, skin for skin, all that a man has he'll give for his life, but stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he'll curse you to his face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand, only spare his life. Now notice the manipulative words of Satan. First of all, notice how he slanders Job to God. God has said Job is blameless in all his ways, an upright man, a man of integrity. And, jo and Satan says, no, he's only doing this because of what you do for him. He's, on he's only doing this because of what you do for him. He's in this relationship for what he can get out of it. So he, he slanders Job to God. But maybe even more importantly, he slanders God to God in his own face. He said, stretch out your hand and touch all he has. In verse 5, chapter 2, stretch out your hand and touch his bone. 
He said, God, destroy his prosperity. God, destroy his physical health. God, make him sick and diseased. God, make him live in poverty. And notice what God said both times. He's in your hand. God said, no, no, that's not me. Remember, God is good and his mercy endures forever. Remember, Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Satan is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Remember, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Now, please, we can go from Genesis to Revelation. If it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's the devil. But the devil always tries to blame God for the evil. The devil always tries to blame God for all the bad things that happen in this world. Even in his own face, he's saying, God, you do this. Because he's in your hand. This, I, I'm not the destroyer. I'm the blesser. See, if the devil can get you to believe that God is the cause of your problems, then you'll just accept them. It's like a man was talking to me a couple of weeks ago. He's a pastor. He said, Pastor Summerall, this COVID-19 is, is the will of God, and this is what God is doing in the earth today. And I said, no, it's not. He said, oh, yes, this, this is the work of God in the world today. And I said, okay. Is this the work of God? Yes. I said, why are you wearing a mask? If this is God's will, why are you wearing a mask? If this is God's will, why are you taking vitamins? If this is God's will, why are you trying to keep yourself and your family safe? If this is God's will, you should embrace it. Well, uh, the, 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 see, see, if the devil can make you believe that God is doing something, you won't fight against it. You have to understand, God is never the problem. And as we read through the book of Job in our, in our, nightly, in our morning devotions, <laughs> even Job's comforters keep telling them that God has done all this. God has brought all this destruction in his life because he's an unrighteous man. See, if the devil can make you believe that God is the problem, you won't turn to God as the solution. Let me say that one more time. If the devil can make you believe that God is the problem, then you won't turn to God as the solution. So Satan will slander God to man and man to God. Satan will slander... <laughs> How about God to man for a second? Just take a look at that. Go back to the very first temptation in Genesis 3. What did Satan say to Eve? For God knows, Genesis 3, 5, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Hey, Eve, you just don't get this, lady. You don't understand. God's not looking out for what's best for you. God's trying to keep you down. You need to have a victim mentality, Eve. God's trying to keep you down. He's so manipulative and he's so slanderous. But again, it's very logical and it's very well presented. All of the devil's logic is. Very logical, very well presented, very, very manipulative, very deceitful. He slanders God to man. He slanders man to man. I mean, think of all the people that have lied about you. But now most importantly, and this is the one I want you to focus on, Satan slanders you to you. How many times as a believer have you begun to doubt yourself during these days? Have you begun to doubt, you know, these things are happening. You know, maybe I'm not very blessed because, you know, I remember what I did when I was five years old. I stole 25 centavos from my mother's purse. Or maybe you did some really bad things in the past. Most of us did a lot of bad things in our past before we got saved. And Satan brings up all the guilt of all of your sins prior to your salvation. 
Satan tries to build a guilt consciousness within you. But Jesus said, I didn't come to this world to condemn the world. I didn't come into this world to put guilt on this world. I came into this world to save the world. See, the goal of all the slander is to make the person who's listening think differently about the person spoken about. And if you are listening to the devil's voice, he will change how you think about yourself and you will begin to doubt yourself. Now, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. I love the New Century Version. Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Proverbs also says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If Satan can make you begin to believe, you know, you have a generational curse upon your life. This is a doctrine of demons. This is not a true doctrine. There's a generational curse on your life. Your great-grandfather was an adulterer and destroyed his family. Your grandfather was an adulterer and destroyed his family. Your father was an adulterer and destroyed your family. You are also an adulterer and destroyed your family. You can't help yourself. You are under a generational curse. Excuse me. No, you are not. You are born again. All Everything has become new. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have become new. There is no generational curse on your life. Well, you know, if a man walked up to me, and please, nothing against Alcoholics Anonymous. They've done a lot of good work. You know, I've got a, I've got a brother-in-law and a nephew that have been through it, and they've done great things to help them. But a man walked up to me and said, Pastor Sumrall, introduced himself, and the next sentence out of his mouth, he says, and I'm an alcoholic. And I looked at him, I said, excuse me? He said, I'm an alcoholic. And the way he said it, because I, I knew it from my own family, I looked at him and I said, how long since you had your last drink? He said, 10 years. I said, then you're not an alcoholic anymore. He said, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. I said, no, no, no. So when did you get saved? A couple of years ago. I said, now you are no longer an alcoholic. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. All the old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. As long as you believe that you are an alcoholic, one day you're going to do it again. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You've got to learn. That's not who you are. You've got to change how you think about yourself. You've got to stop believing the devil's lies about you and begin to realize, I am not what I used to be. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. <laughs> All the old things are passed away. Behold, everything has become new. This is why I'm always teaching you to learn these, these in Christ statements, who you are in Christ Jesus. You've got to stop listening to the devil reminding you of all of your past and begin to see yourself as God sees you. Now, let's take it a step farther. When we talk about putting on the breastplate of righteousness, righteousness means right standing with God. There are two types of righteousness. And leaving out the theological words and trying to just use some simple words, there is positional righteousness and there's experiential righteousness, sometimes called sanctification. There's positional righteousness, which is difficult to understand, but very easy to live because Jesus has done it all and we just have to believe and have faith. And then there's experiential righteousness, which is 
easy to understand, but really hard to live because it takes a lot of decisions on our part. Now, next week, Lord willing, I'm going to get into the experiential righteousness. But right now today, let me remind you about who you are in Christ Jesus. We're putting on the breastplate of righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, remember all those times I teach you to always circle and keep a list of all the in him realities? In Christ, in our position of being in Christ, the balloon and the teddy bear illustration that I always use with you, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is positional righteousness. This is what Jesus has done for you. In Christ, you are the righteousness of God. Say that with me. In Christ, I am the righteousness of God. Now, this is positional righteousness. We are incapable in our own human efforts of ever being righteous before God in our own abilities. Isaiah 64 verse 6 says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Romans, 10, Romans 3 verse 10, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. The Greek word there means rotten. There is no way in our own abilities we can ever have right standing with God. But God did something really fun in Jesus. He created the ministry of righteousness. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 9. For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, now that's ministry of the law, just brings condemnation. It cannot bring change. It cannot make a man righteous. Paul was very clear about that. It's a ministry of condemnation. The ministry of righteousness, notice that, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. I like that. As a church today, we have not been called to the ministry of condemnation. No one can change their life. We've been called to the ministry of righteousness. <laughs> the min I like that, the ministry of righteousness. Now, the ministry of righteousness, first of all, declares that righteous, the righteousness of God is imputed to us in Christ Jesus or assigned to us. That's a very simplified concept, but assigned to us in Christ Jesus. Again, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 3, beginning with verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. I like that. It's given to us. This is the righteousness that comes from God. It belongs to God. We'll see how important that is as we get to the end of our study today. Romans 1.17, for in it the righteousness of God. God's righteousness, righteousness that belongs to him. Romans 3.22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Notice, of God. This is God's righteousness. This is not the righteousness of a church that's given to us. This is not the righteousness of a man that is given to us. This is God's own righteousness given to us in Christ Jesus. And it completely comes to us because of Jesus. We've read the verse twice. Let me read it to you a third time. 2 Corinthians chapter 5.21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that Jesus died on the cross. Jesus took the sins of the whole world when he, as the Passover lamb, 
and the sins of the whole world came upon him. And he, his father turned away and Jesus said, oh my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? As the sins from eternity past to eternity future were placed upon him. He did all of that so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Now, how does this work? 1 Corinthians 6, 11. And such were some of you. He said, we were all a bunch of nasty people. But you were washed, okay? All the defilement of sin was washed away from our lives. Not it's going to be, it has been. You were sanctified. You were set apart for a holy purpose. Thirdly, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Justified means just as if we never sinned. Now, now think with me for a moment. Do you remember last week as I was teaching you in our evening services? I taught you how there is a great white throne judgment that every human being will stand at, except us. We stand before the beam of seat of Christ to receive our rewards. But the great and small alike will one day, after the end of the uh, millennial reign, after Satan is allowed out of the pit, he tempts the world one more time, and then there's final judgment called the great white throne judgment. Every human being will come and stand before God, and the books of their actions will be open. Now, you have to understand that in heaven, there are books that are filled with all of your lies, all of your sins, everything you've ever stolen, every dirty thought you've ever thought, every piece of pornography you've ever looked at. The books in heaven are filled with our sins. But on the day that you accepted Jesus Christ, on the day that you put your faith in him, just like Abraham of old, on that day you believed in him, you were made righteous. You were justified, not just sins forgiven. Justified means just as if you never sinned. Now, I remember when I first began to understand this concept in the book of Revelation about all my sins are written down in books. And I was talking to my grandfather and I laughed and I said, Grandpa, <laughs> I said, there must be a library of my sins written. And my grandfather said, no, there is not, Davy. I said, excuse me? I said, Grandpa, you know how I used to live. He said, no, Davy, there is no, there's no library with, filled with books of all your sins. He said, you have been justified. He said, Davy, you're not just forgiven. You're just as if you never sinned. He said, Davy, all of those books that were written with all of your sins have been taken and thrown into the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. And there's no telling where the east and the west is, so it's forever. He said, as far as the east is from the west, all those books that listed all of your sins are gone. You have been erased. And instead, Davy, he said, there are new books that have been opened. There's new books that have been opened in a separate area. And all the good things that you do that will bring rewards in your life, all of those things are written down. And there's a book in heaven called the Book of Life, and your name has been engraved into the Book of Life. Oh, brothers and sisters, this is what it means to be made righteous. You're not just forgiven. You're not just washed. You're not just set apart. You're justified, just as if you never sinned. This is what it means to be righteous in his sight. You are just as if you have never sinned in the sight of God. Now, this was given to you as a gift. Romans 5, verse 7, 17. 
For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? It's a free gift. We don't pay anything for it. We don't do any penance for it. It's a free gift that is given us. All he asks of us is to believe. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. And an heir of the righteousness that comes from faith. Hebrews eleven seven. James 2, verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And Paul said, you know what? Verse 7 of Philippians 3. Whatever gained I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. There's that in Christ, be found in him, positionally, in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now, I'm going to stop here and begin to apply it. Now, there's a whole lot more we have to teach over the next couple of weeks. But I want you to remember that we are to wear this righteousness that belongs to God, that was given to us as a gift. This righteousness we wear as a breastplate. And it's his righteousness. Remember, I told you we're going to come back to this. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 17. He, God, put on righteousness as a breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. Now, God wears this breastplate. Remember I told you this was God's armor? Now you stand in the field of battle. You stand in the battle of temptation. You stand in, in the battle of these evil days. And when Satan and his demon hordes come out against you with no weapons, and they look at you, they see the breastplate. God wears that breastplate. <laughs> As Satan came before the throne room of God, God had worn that breastplate. Satan knew that breastplate very, very, very well. You are wearing the righteousness of God as that breastplate. Now, there are several breastplates in the Bible for different times and different purposes in life. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8, Paul said, For since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. There are seasons that we put on a breastplate of faith. There are seasons that we put on a breastplate of love. But in these seasons that we are in right now, you put on the breastplate of God's righteousness. When you stand in the field of battle, you must be wearing God's breastplate of righteousness. As Satan comes with all of his slander to make you doubt yourself and to make you doubt God and to make you think poorly about yourself and to make you think what an evil person you are and that you have no right to be blessed of God and there's no, you're not worthy for God to answer your prayers and, and these things you probably deserve in life because you've done something bad. And Satan tells you all these things. It doesn't penetrate into your emotions. It doesn't penetrate into your heart because you remember I have on the breastplate of righteousness. 
I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am worthy for God to hear the cry of my heart in prayer because he's made me worthy. <laughs> I can come boldly into the throne room of God because he has clothed me in his righteousness in Christ Jesus. I stand before his throne free from accusation because I have received his righteousness. I have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, now this is not positive thinking. People say, oh, we need to get more positive. Uh, this has nothing to do with positive thinking. It does have to do with remembering who you are in Christ Jesus and taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Satan comes and begins to make you believe that, that you know, you're a bad person, that you're going to do this. Have you ever had somebody just come up and tell you what a bad person you are, and they keep telling you and keep telling you, and later on that night you, you start questioning, you go, maybe, well, maybe I am a bad person. You know, folks, that's the devil. You need to start recognizing, I know who I am in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. My past is gone. I have right standing with God because I have put my faith in Jesus. Jesus took all the punishment of my sins. He's washed me. He's sanctified me. He's justified me. And I stand clean before my God. This you must get deep in your insight. If you're going to stand in the field of battle in these dark days that we are living in, these are days when you have to renew your mind and remember who you are in Christ. Father, I lift you all of your sons and daughters today. These are things we don't even talk about with other people. These are things that are happening in the privacy of our own hearts, the privacy of our own minds. We put on big smiley faces with everybody else and do nothing but question and doubt ourselves. Lord, Give a revelation of what you have done for their lives. As they open their hearts to you and they bow their hearts to you, fill their hearts with a revelation of what you have done for them in Christ Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Monday morning, 545 for the first Daniel's prayer and then six o'clock morning devotions. We'll see you then.